If you missed any part of the show, check out the Hick at Night podcast. Night spelled N-I-T-E. So you stay up to date on everything going on right here with yours truly on this great network. It's also free, also available wherever you do get your podcasts. All right. The NFL MVP award has gotten a lot of steam now as we close in on the final five weeks of the season. A lot of candidates are really kind of, you know, putting their best foot forward here. But when it comes to the MVP award, I like to view this award like I view winning the show Survivor. Now, I hope I'm not dating myself here. I love Survivor. I know, you know, it used to be super popular. Now, maybe not as much. So if you're a Survivor fan out there, you know what I'm saying. If you're not, Survivor really fast here. 20 contestants. You're out on an island 39 days. You're competing challenges. You basically survive. Each person, each show, someone in the tribe votes someone off. At the end, though, the people you vote off are actually the ones that vote for the winner. So it's not just, oh, I got to get this person out of here. Also, you got to then impress them and also, you know, have them get your vote and make enough moves. But how you win Survivor is not just by surviving. It's not making it to day 39 and just being one of the last three standing. How you win Survivor is you got to make moves. You know, you got to lie to your tribe mates and pull a fast one here and make a surprise blindside and vote someone out that they didn't think was going to be voted out. Like, you have to play the game. Make moves. Like, be involved. Have your fingerprints on moves in order for to, to convince the jury to vote for you. I think that's the MVP uh, when it comes to the NFL MVP award. It's the same thing. It's not just about, oh, you put up big numbers. No, no, it's about earning, like, putting your mark on this season. And how I think you do that is by playing your best in the biggest games. It's not just about having best stats. Or who, who's the best quarterback this year? It's not about that. It's about which player plays their best in the biggest moments. Because that's when, like, when you look at valuable, that's what, to me, valuable means. You're not, like, if you, let's just say, Dak Prescott did a lot of MVP love, for example. To me, you're not valuable when you are lining up the 1-11 Panthers because your team is just far superior. You don't need your best player to be great when you're playing the worst team in the NFL. You need Dak Prescott, for example, to be great when you play the 49ers, when you play the Eagles, like, when you play the games that matter. Like, that, to me, is what true value means. Now, when you play weaker and lesser opponents, oh, how do you look and what numbers you put up? But in those three or four opportunities you get in an NFL season, when you play teams that are equal and or better than you, how does your best player play in that game? That for me, like that's what value means. It's not the best player on the best team. It's in those big moments, which player consistently rises above and plays their best. And that's why for me, like I agree with Brock Purdy right now being tied for the lead. And that's why I disagree in what, depending on what sports books look at, it's like a two or three way tie. It's Dak, it's Purdy. Some have Jalen Hurts in there as well, tied for first place, depending on again, what sports book you're looking at. That's why I agree with Purdy being at the top. I disagree though with Dak. Because in those big games, Brock Purdy this year, all he's done is risen above and played great. All Dak has done in those big games for the Cowboys has struggled, has not led them to victory. And so I can't call you valuable if you play great in 13 games, 
But in the four games on your schedule, where, again, you were playing big-time opponents, you constantly aren't showing up, you aren't playing your best football, I can't call you the most valuable player then. Because value to me means when your team needs you, you step up. And that's what Brock Purdy does. And look at right now the biggest games of the season for the 49ers so far. Played the Cowboys earlier this season. Brock Purdy, four touchdown passes, 144 passer rating, no big deal. Eagles, last week, 314 passing yards, four touchdowns, 148 passer rating. About a month ago, maybe a little less than that, played the Jaguars in Jacksonville. What does he do? Three touchdown passes, no big deal. In the three biggest games of the 49ers season so far, Brock Purdy's combined for 11 touchdown passes. He's been great. 11 touchdown passes, one turnover. That is the definition of an MVP. You rise up, you play your best when the moment calls for it. And I think that consistently elite performance should get you rewarded. But on the flip side here, when you look at Dak, like I, I can't see an argument as to why Dak right now should be an MVP frontrunner. Like, I think his MVP case, while it is gaining steam, I think it ends on, on Sunday night. I don't think the Eagles are, are, excuse me, I don't think the Cowboys are winning that game. And if they lose that game and Dak plays against Philly like he has in the past, there's no argument to make for Dak because in the biggest games of Dallas' season, he has struggled. Go back early this year. We just talked about it from Purdy's perspective, but look at it now from Dak's perspective. When he played the 49ers on the road in what was, to that point, the biggest game of the season in week number five, three picks. Three picks on the road in that blowout loss to San Francisco. Even you look at that Eagles game, yes, had three touchdown passes, no interceptions. Played well in Philly. But, again, we talk about value. We talk about rising up when the team needs you the most. Trailing 28-23, late in the fourth quarter. Team driving. First down, sack. Second down, sack. That cost Dallas right there the chance to win the game. You had no opportunity to win after that. Because your quarterback in the biggest, the literally the two biggest plays of the game took sacks. Now it's just, you know, throwing Hail Marys. And if you lose again at home on Sunday Night Football to an Eagles team, that yes, is going to be pissed off after their blowout loss to the 49ers, but is dealing with a banged up quarterback in Jalen Hurts and some defensive issues. You lose that game and Dak doesn't play well, like, what are we talking about here? Three games, three biggest opponents, over three. That's an MVP. I don't care, again, how he plays against the Panthers or the Commanders or the Giants or the Saints. You play bad teams, yeah. The Cowboys can beat him. We know that. Yeah, we know Dak can play well against bad teams. A lot of good players can. But when it comes to MVP, I think your performance in these massive games here, has to hold big-time weight. It's not just about the, the player with the biggest stats on the best team. Sometimes that's the case. Like, for example, Patrick Mahomes, when he won MVP last year, more than, more than deserving. Because not only did he put up some big-time numbers, but that's also a guy that in the biggest moments of the regular season, which, again, this is a regular season award, Biggest moments of the regular season, this guy's balling out, making winning plays, leading your team to victory. 
that is truly, to me at least, what an MVP is about. I will be okay with lesser stats, if you will, like not dramatically less, but like if, let's say, Dak has more passing yards and more passing touchdowns than Brock Purdy, but Brock Purdy, again, continues to play well in every big game, I'll give Brock Purdy the nod because, well, yes, maybe Dak has more passing yards and more passing touchdowns. I value, again, how you play in bigger games if the stats are similar within the same ballpark, within reason, you know? Can't be, you know, 15 touchdown difference, 1,200 yard difference in terms of passing yards. I'm talking about, you know, it's not that far apart. I would put more weight into how you play in big-time games than just how you stat pad and beat up against bad teams. So in terms of front runners, I get and I agree with Brock Purdy right now being tied for first. I don't understand why Dak Prescott is also in the same category. Those two quarterbacks to me are in two separate categories. And how you get to those numbers, while similar, how you get to them, two different ways. However, that Brock Purdy's way. Playing well in big games and Dak's way where he just plays well against bad opponents. But with that said, though, I don't think either of those gentlemen are winning MVP. Here's why. I think it's going to Tyreek Hill. I think it should be Tyreek Hill. I think it will be Tyreek Hill for two reasons. Number one, the stats are going to be incredible. They already are incredible, but he right now is on track to become the first 2,000-yard receiver in NFL history. That is an insane accomplishment and something that I think is absolutely deserving to be put in the MVP category, just the stats alone. But he also now has a chance, speaking of playing well in big-time games here, he has back-to-back opportunities coming up here in the next few weeks to not only put up some big-time numbers, but now put up some big-time numbers in some big-time games. You got the Cowboys, and you got the Ravens on the schedule here. Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve for Miami. Back-to-back big games here for the Dolphins. If you have Tyreek Hill in each of those games putting up 150, 150 receiving yards, eight catches each, you know, maybe five touchdowns combined or four touchdowns combined in those two games, I think the MVP race is over. It's Tyreek Hills. Because not only is he putting up record-breaking stats that we've never seen before, he's also doing so now in some big games. I know we had the fumble against the Chiefs. Not great. Was shut down for the most part against the Bills earlier in the season. He got a chance to redeem himself. Got a chance to redeem himself in two big, big opportunities here. Late season matchups against the Cowboys and against the Ravens. And you do finish with the Bills, a team that I don't think is going to be a playoff team. But a team you've had had trouble beating uh, of late. So Tyreek Hill, 2K receiver, but also now to doing it, having a chance, I should say, to do it in some big time games. If he's able to do that, I think we're talking about Tyreek Hill. Being the first wide receiver ever to win the NFL MVP. So I'm curious your thoughts here. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. What do you value the most in terms of the NFL MVP? Is it is it really the, the quarterback with the biggest stats? Or is it when you put those stats up? How you play in those three or four opportunities you get a season In those big games, how do you look and how do you play? That, for me, I think, is where the true V 
and MVP is. That's where you show you're most valuable. Not against the worst team in the league in the Panthers, but against the best team in the league. That's where Brock Purdy has shown out. That's where Dak Prescott has not. All right, when we return right here on CBS Sports Radio, it is Ryan Hickey with you on this Wednesday. We mentioned three names for the MVP. Brock Purdy, Dak Prescott, Tyreek Hill. I think it's going to be Tyreek. But if we are talking about true value, like if we actually want to make this award, what the three letters stand for, most valuable player, then there's one name I did not mention that absolutely needs to be mentioned in this discussion. We'll talk about it next. It is Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. This is Hick at Night. Here's Ryan Hickey. Welcome on in to CBS Sports Radio. Ryan Hickey with you right here. The Dolphins may make Hootie cry. Patriots Steelers got to make all of us cry as a nation tomorrow. Jack Hardy participated earlier in, in the Would You Rather game. Marco Bloody will join us here in a few minutes to get his thoughts. We got a few tough ones here. Would you rather, for example, eat two fish eyes or tomorrow watch Bailey Zappi and Mitch Trubisky try to complete passes down the field. So it's going to be um, interesting here, Marco's answers here, because there's a lot, I'll say, as a true football fan that I would rather do than watch tomorrow night's game. That is for sure. As a reminder, think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all your car care needs. Get guaranteed low prices and excellent customer service from the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts. We are talking NFL MVP criteria. I think for me, what truly puts the V in value is how you play in the biggest games of the season. Does it happen often? Are there three or four games really that we circle up for each team's schedule and say, oh, that's a big one. Oh, yeah. That one means double. And so for me, again, I look at value in terms of how do these great players, how do you play in those games? I don't care what you do against, you know, the, the average and mediocre teams. If you're, you know, you put on some big numbers here. When you are playing the best teams on your schedule, how do you look? How do you play? For me, that's the number one criteria when it comes to discussing uh, who is worthy um, of winning the MVP and who should be getting votes. That, to me, is the number one thing I look for. I think that's really the number one criteria everyone should look for. Because you want to talk about value, that's when you are truly your most valuable. When you play your best, when your team needs you, which is against the best competition in the league. But we mentioned three names. We talked about Brock Purdy, talked about Dak Prescott, we talked about Tyreek Hill. If we are truly talking about most valuable player, not most valuable quarterback or most valuable offensive player, right? Last time I checked, it wasn't MVOP. If we were talking about MVP, most valuable player, 
then one name has to be in this discussion. And that's Steelers defensive end T.J. Watt. That guy's the epitome of MVP because I would argue he's the main reason why the Steelers right now in the playoff picture in terms of players. Like, we know, and again, we're, we're playing a would-you-rather game here on the show tonight in part because of how bad that matchup is on, on Thursday night, Patriots-Steelers on both ends. We know the Steelers' offense is not the reason why this team has seven wins and why they're in a playoff spot. It's because of their defense. It's because, directly, of T.J. Watt. Second in the league in sacks, 14. Has 13 tackles for loss as well on the year. Has one interception. Has three forced fumbles. Three fumble recoveries. And one touchdown. The guy's a one-man wrecking crew. And again, when you can't rely on your offense, when you have one of the worst offensive scoring teams in the league, you got to do it defensively. I mean, he, along with Alex Highsmith, won the Browns game week two by stripping Deshaun Watson and running back for a touchdown. If it wasn't for that play, these Steelers are not winning that game. There's no chance. Because offensively, they were not moving the ball and scoring a touchdown no matter what. Kenny Pickett could not do it. That offense is, I mean, it's rough to watch. Think about this. The other week, right, when, when Matt Canada was fired, um, and then they, the first game after his firing, they played the Bengals. There was talks about, quote-unquote, offensive explosion from Pittsburgh. They put up over 400 total yards of offense for the first time in three years. Despite that, they only put up 16 points. So despite this big-time offensive explosion, we are talking about an offense that scored 16 points in that game. They needed every bit of their defense to make plays in order to win, and the face of that defense, the leader of that defense, the biggest playmaker on that defense is T.J. Watt. So you got to give him his respect. You have to put him in the MVP category then because he truly is, by definition of the award, one of the most valuable players in the NFL. You take him off that Steelers defense, I guarantee you, this team is not 7-5. and five. Just his single removal from that team keep everything else the same. I think right now the Steelers are out of the playoffs. They are out of the playoff race. So that is the true definition of MVP. He's done it in big games. He is consistent. And that's a guy where, again, you take him off the roster, we're talking about a team in the Steelers that is not right now 7-5 and five and not a playoff contender. He does it all. He makes plays. That's a guy where, again, if we are truly talking about, and this award truly is not the best quarterback on the best team, not the best offensive player on one of the best teams, but if it truly is most valuable player, then we need to have T.J. Watt as a finalist, and we need to have T.J. Watt's name included more often now in these MVP discussions because that's what he truly is. He brings more value to the Steelers team and frankly, most other players do to their respective teams. And I'm talking quarterbacks as well. Put T.J. Watt in that MVP conversation. Okay. So, part of the reason why T.J. Watt is in the MVP conversation is because that offense is horrific to watch. It is really, really hard to watch. So, on the as we are on the brink of just about 24 hours away from, I would argue, the worst Steeler, uh, the worst Thursday night game we have seen maybe ever. Steelers... Patriots, 
battle of backup quarterbacks in Pittsburgh here. This is really going to put NFL fandom to the test. So I want to bring back the game here. I just played before with Jack Cardi doing a great job producing. And I'll bring a new contestant to the game, and that is Marco Blood. Hello, Marco. What's up, Bri? How are we doing? Oh, tremendous. I would say, and would you identify yourself as a football fan? Yeah, yes. Yes, okay. I, yes, I would. Yes, I would. What is your favorite team? I'm a Giant fan. Giant fan. Okay. So I'm I'm well averse to bad football. Jack Cardi, also a Giant fan. Same thing. So you guys know a bad I feel the pain, was. brother. Mm. I feel the pain. Especially mm. offensively. It's really hard to watch. Um, speaking of, so you are used to what we'll see tomorrow night. Patriots, Steelers. Especially because I also work in New York and I have to watch the Jets for work purposes. That's true. So double, double. DVR, watching the whole Ooh. thing, every play. Oh, yeah, it's great. So you, I mean, that by definition <laughs> right there, you are a true football fan. Yeah. Let me, though, ask your excitement for tomorrow. How excited are you to watch tomorrow's game? I am not. Perfect. Perfect. That means then this is this latest episode of Would You Rather can begin. Okay, so hailing from New York City, well, let's just say, standing at 6'1", wearing a Yankee hat, proud New York Giants fan. Let's welcome to the show Marco Valetti. All right, Marco, I have a series of tasks here that I want to ask you your interest level in. Would you rather watch Patriots Steelers or Roger, would you rather do this other task? Ready? Mm-hmm. First one here. Would you rather watch Patriots Steelers or mow the lawn? Mow the lawn. I would agree. I enjoy mowing the lawn. Same. I haven't done it in a long time, but I enjoy it. I love, love mowing the lawn. I would honestly. Love is strong. Love is strong. That is easily my favorite. I was going to say activity, but it's not activity. Like chore around the house. Hate dusting, hate vacuuming, hate doing a lot of things. Washing the dishes. Like, the one household chore that I will enjoy, actually, is cutting the grass. I don't know if I... Enjoyment might be strong, but I don't mind it. I, I, I Unfortunately, it's something that I don't do anymore, but I don't mind mowing the lawn. Now, I actually should get back to doing it. It's just a little too difficult. Too much lawn, no time. Nothing to cut the lawn with. No lawnmower? No. Do you have a big enough lawn for uh, a ride-on? Uh, Maybe. Oh, but I don't have the kind of cash to be bought. That's a dream. Busting out the ride on. Never had a ride on. That's that's a dream of mine. Maybe one day. Like that's how you know you made it big for me. Ride on mower. Yeah, I I definitely can't afford it, and I I would say it's somewhat justifiable. I've got a lot of land. I got a crap shack, but I got a lot of land. So there's a lot of grass. It's you know crappy grass, but I got a lot of it. Okay. Okay. So not a big fan of mowing the lawn, but nonetheless, you'd rather mow the lawn than watch. No doubt. Patriots, not even Steelers. not even close. No doubt. Love that. Okay. Would you rather than this, this subsequent or this sequence of events? Would you rather watch Patriots Steelers or stub your toe into stepping on a Lego into jamming a finger in the door? Bang bang boom. I think I did all that today. I'm cool with all three of those. Wow. Okay. That happens constantly. It's. I got three little kids. Legos everywhere. Stepping oh. on all kinds of stuff, and I get home in the middle of the night in the dark because I work at night. I'm breaking my ass every time I walk through the door. Ten broken toes, ten jam fingers. That's automatic. So that's heels that's just, just a normal. That's Tuesday. So that's not a big deal. I'll take that over this slop fest that we got to watch Thursday night. No problem. Would you rather watch the in-season tournament? You know, I might. Wow. Might. The fact that first of all, that was like, mow the lawn quick. Yes, I'd rather do that. The three physical pain, you know, uh, activities, rather do that. I love how there was a pause of mm, in-season tournament. Well, because I don't really, I can't say I'm excited about the in-season tournament, 
but we might get a decent game with the Lakers and Pelicans. Even the Pacers and Bucks, we might get decent basketball. We're not getting good football. No. So that's guaranteed. I might get a decent basketball game. The intensity might be there. I'm also intrigued because it's new. I've never seen it. I've seen Bailey Zappi and Mitchell Trubisky play. I don't want to watch that again. So I think I might lean towards the basketball. All right. So we'll put you down so far for a yes. Would you rather watch Steelers, Patriots, or be blind for a day? You know, I think I'm going to watch the game. Jack, rather be blind. Yeah, no. Okay. Now, now, now we're going too far. No, 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 no. Would you rather go shopping with your wife for three hours? No, I'm watching the game. Okay. No, no, no. no. Now you're getting into like, this is torture. Now, I mean, I'm better. Physical pain, sign me up. Shopping with the wife, I don't care how many hours you said. You could have said 10 minutes. <laughs> Give me the game. I, there's a different level of torture here. That we're, we're, <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Well, good news for Mitch Trubisky. You officially made it. You officially made it where you yeah, are no. still the better option over shopping no. with Marco's wife. Yeah, now me and Bailey Zappi over shopping, no problem. No problem. I know you do this a lot here, but would you rather voluntarily stay awake for 24 hours consecutively or watch the game tomorrow night? Hmm. See, the problem is I do that too often. I would say it's easier to stay awake for the 24 hours than it will be to watch that three hours in a row. So I would probably lean towards that. When you said voluntarily is the problem. I don't want to voluntarily be up 24 hours, but I know I can accomplish it. So sign me up. So 24 hours. You'd rather stay awake for 24 hours than watch the game. Okay. In 24 hours. Would you rather eat two fish eyes or watch the game tomorrow night? Two fish eyes? If you couldn't tell, I'm a big into Survivor now, and that was one of the challenges last week. Now, these were mat. Like, we're talking like normal fish eyes. Not like. I've never had a fish eye. I don't don't, know. I would probably be curious. Size of your eyeball, let's just say. I would be curious. So so I would probably try it. Fish eyes. Yeah, why not? I'd be curious. Would you rather suffer three paper cuts in a row or watch the game tomorrow night? Paper cuts are no problem. I actually have one on my thumb right now as I was walking in. I don't know if you saw me uh, try to fix my thumb, put it back together. I actually had one right now. I did not. Interesting. You are a lot tougher than a lot of other people here. We won't say any <laughs> other results. Um, let's test your toughness. Would you rather get punched in the nose or watch the game tomorrow night? Guarantee your nose is not broken and it's not Mike Tyson punching. Like an average average punch. Would you rather take a punch in the face? Yeah, no, I think I'd watch the game. I mean, that's okay. not. Oh, I'm just asking. Yeah, I mean, no, that's. That, that, you know, again, put a ice on it 10 minutes later, maybe it goes nah, away. Nah, I don't, I don't need that. I don't need, you know, I don't need the black eyes. I don't need that. Okay. All right, finally here. Would you rather go food shopping during peak hours or watch the game tomorrow night? I worked in a supermarket for more than 10 years of my life. I go food shopping at least once a week. I'm that guy that has to do it. That is unfortunate, and it's not something that I recommend, and it's something that we all hate. However, I can get in and out no problem because I know exactly what I'm doing. Wow. So give me the food shopping because I do it constantly. Wow. You are the man who knows all the secrets, huh? Well, there's really no secrets. It's just you have to be focused. Don't look around. That's Don't look at the tree. Don't look at the end. Don't look at all the stuff, the flashing lights. It's almost like Christmas tree lights where they, they're trying to get your attention. No, no, no. Have a plan. Know where your stuff is. Get it. Get the hell out. Find the cashier that's going to move a little quicker. Look at the line. If you got four old ladies in there, I don't care if they got three things in their cart. Move along. That's going to take a long time. Find the guy that's by himself. That's the line you want to be in. He's got a full cart. Doesn't matter. He's going to want to get the hell out of there. Find that. Find the younger person that's at the checkout. Not the one that's in their phone and spaced out, but not the old lady that can't move. You got to be able to, you know, there's scouting reports, man. You got to be able to be quick on your Look feet. At this. You got to know. You got to get in and out. This is a science. Yeah. See, my problem, 
is what, with what you just said is I think a lot of it is out of your control. Meaning, you're a lot of idiots when it's packed and it's peak hours. Everyone's in the aisles. People just don't have, have just all of a sudden lose sense of where they are. Leave the carts in the middle of the aisle. Mm -hmm. Walk and walk away. Mm -hmm. Drop this there. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, you got three people going one way, two people going the other way. You got now you're playing. You right. know, you're jousting almost with the carts to get Which through. Which is why you got to know where you're going. Know the aisles. Can't be looking up to see like, oh, do I got to go in aisle six to get whatever? You got to know where the aisles are. You got to put that to memory. You go to the same store. You got to memorize where's what. Now, they will switch things up on you. That makes it difficult, and then you got to relearn. But these are things you got to – it's almost like a playbook. You Every time they redo it, say, you got to relearn cow. it. You got to relearn it. You got to know what you're doing when you're walking in. Otherwise, it's going to take an hour to get it out of there. Nobody's got an hour of their day to be able to go food shopping. Are you taking pictures of the aisle? No. Like if the peanut butter is in aisle three, now it's in aisle five. You're going, okay, peanut butter, That's a mental five. picture. Okay. Mental. You got to be able to read that playbook. When you get traded mid-season, you got to be Josh Dobbs. You got to be able to get in there and figure it out on the run, on the move. We need more of you in the supermarket, that's for sure. No, not, your no stuff not, is. not working, but shopping. And even scouting reports. Same because thing, you're going to the same stores. Realize who the good uh, cashiers are. Realize who the ones that are not good. Know that. Know your scouting reports. You see that light come on. Doesn't necessarily mean that that's a good place to go. You got to know who's there. I respect that. Wow. I thought for sure with your food shopping history, you would have said, no way. I'm avoiding that at all costs. But I, I was it. wrong. You are now the master. I hate it, but I know I have to do it. There's a difference between having, oh, I agree. if I can avoid it like the plague and I never have to bother with it again, sign me up. I know I have to do that. We have to, I mean. Got to eat. We got to eat. I mean, gotta there's eat. no way around it. You got to go food shopping. Dogs got to eat. Yeah, I mean, the kids got to eat. You know, German Fest little rats, they got to eat. So you got to figure it out. You got to go, and you got to be able to get in and out of there as fast as humanly possible. You got to know what you're looking for. So to recap here, Marco Belletti, staunch football fan here, who's big Giants fan, used to bad offensive football, also now work in New York, watches a lot of Jets as well, used to bad offensive football. He would rather, instead of watching more bad offensive football tomorrow with the Patriots and Steelers, rather mow the lawn, rather stub toe, step on a Lego, jam a finger in the door at the same time, rather watch the in-season tournament, Rather stay awake for 24 hours. Rather eat two fish eyes. Rather suffer three paper cuts in a row. Rather go food shopping during peak hours. Any regrets there? No. Okay. Look at that. No. I mean, again, the only one that I'm even kind of quasi on is the fish eyes, but now I'm curious. I'm just curious if they're good. If you tell me they're going to be disgusting beforehand, then I might just pick the game because I don't want to eat disgusting stuff. But I'm curious if it's actually good. I mean, are they frying it? Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm just curious if it's actually... You know, it could be a delicacy. What do I know? I don't want to pass up good food. Well, I mean, there's also bull balls that are delicacies. I don't think I'm eating those. Yeah, I'm going to pass soon. on that, though. These are eyes. I can eat eyes. What do I care? I'm saying you're talking about delicacies. You know, some, well, some delicacies in Yeah, I know. Monkey brains could be a delicacy, too. But I don't have delicacies you know, other places. I'm not doing Temple of Doom. I'm not, I'm not eating the, the monkey brains. I would agree. I would agree. I would say normal fish eyes, no fry, just, you know, kind of like the eyes. Like, you, you get the fish, you cut them out, and there you go. Yeah, you see, I'm going to plead ignorance and say I don't know if they're any good. If you tell me they're, they're pretty good, I'm in. You tell me that these are awful, but you have to do it anyway, then I might change my tune. I guarantee you I will never be able to give you an answer. I will never eat fish eyes. I'd rather watch Bailey's Happy tomorrow. I'd rather watch Mac Jones tomorrow. I'd rather can, watch all four we, tomorrow. I, can, we, can we get Malik Cunningham in there? Where's Will Greer? What happened? We flex Thursday night games. No, but I mean, like, give us give give us something. Belichick, like, we've seen Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi. They're the same guy. Can we find another human? You've got two other quarterbacks lurking in your building. Can we see one of them? Is that hard? Is that difficult? I mean, I would agree. You're not playing for anything. No. Well, maybe that's part of the reason. No.
Belichick doesn't strike me as a tank guy, especially because he's not even going to be there next year. He wants to pile up wins. He wants Don Shula. I ain't coming anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> that is for sure. Well, especially if these reports are true and he wants to go to Washington or Carolina. <sighs> Why either one of those franchises would want anything to do with that makes no sense to me. Why he'd want anything to do with them, but especially I'm with you. Why they'd want to do anything with him. I get the credibility factor, but to me, if I'm the Chargers, I'm all in. I would ro- I'd roll the dice out of Belichick for a year or two, see if I can get something. I got no quarterback. I got no team. I want to bring in Belichick to fix the roster. We've seen what happens there. His roster fixing, that's not exactly what he's... Terrible. Uh, yeah, to that's not his nice forte. Terrible. Yeah, to say the least. All right, Marco, that is... Would you rather you, I guess, won the game? There's really, you know, unfortunately, I can't be like Drew Carey here and give you any sort of award um, or let you, you know, go... I don't get the fish eyes? With a new car. You got the fish eyes. Maybe we'll go out there at the holiday party, see if they got any fish eyes left. We can have Marco try <laughs> in the break here to avoid watching tomorrow night's what is, I'm sure, going to be a barn burner. Watch, it's going to be like 38-35 tomorrow. It'll be the best Thursday night game of the, of the year. Patriots-Steelers, cannot wait. Oofa. All right. It is Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. When we return, the college football playoff transfer portal. A lot of people love to freak out, tell you how, how bad it is for the student-athletes, how bad it is for college football overall. I'm going to tell you why it's the best thing that ever happened in college football. We'll do that next. Again, Ryan Hickey, CBS Sports Radio, right here on a Wednesday This is Hick at Night. Here's Ryan Hickey. It is Ryan Hickey with you on CBS Sports Radio. It's transfer season portal, baby. Or I think I just put that. It's transfer portal season. There we go. In college football. And I think this is a great addition. I think the transfer portal has been a great addition uh, to college football here for a few reasons. Number one, it promotes parity. It is the great equalizer now. Look at it. You go to school this past year in Oregon State land, DJ Ui Ungole, who was a former five-star recruit from California who started his uh, who started his college career, at least, at Clemson. If it wasn't for the, the portal, there's no way Oregon State is landing a five-star quarterback. They're not recruiting DJ out of, out of college. So... They're a middle-tier program that's able to then all of a sudden now bring in some top talent because they go to a place, doesn't work out. All of a sudden, now you're looking for you know a little bit of redemption. Maybe a little shine is off your stock. Looking to rebound as well. Place like Oregon State fit right in. DJ Ui Ungale, I mean, bounce back, play better. Oregon State was ranked all year. That's a, that's a win-win. Win-win for the Beavers, but also something that's not possible if not for the transfer portal. Look at right now, Washington, Oregon, Texas. All three of those teams had great years. Led by who? Quarterbacks that were transfers. Michael Penix Jr. coming in from Indiana. Bo Nix coming from Auburn. And Quinn Ewers coming from Ohio State. All three of those you know, teams benefited greatly from going into the transfer portal and getting some great, talented quarterbacks and having the right system and developing them come to their team. And now we're talking about Three teams in the top 10, two teams in the college football playoff being led, you know, leading their team as a transfer quarterback. So it allows schools, right, to get quicker, faster. And that's the biggest thing here. There's no patience. 
anymore in any sport. I don't think that's right, but it's the reality. Patience has never been, I think, lower in sports than it is right now. And so whether it's a new coach, whether it's, you know, a a five-star freshman quarterback coming in, whatever, you are judged like immediately. Either you come in and win and you're a hero or you come in and fail and all of a sudden you stink, get out of town. You're fired. So now coaches have pressure to win immediately. There all of a sudden now is no time to get your own recruiting classes in there. There's no time to get, you know, get three or four cycles of recruits in. Now all of a sudden it's your team. It's, hey, you come here, you win now. And sometimes that means, well, if there's not a talented player in there, got to go out and get it. And the easiest way to do so, right, is the transfer portal. And the easiest way to get better quicker is by getting a great quarterback. And then it's also, again, going back to promoting parity, the reason why we saw this season of college football be the most wide open than ever. We had eight teams legitimately, I was going to say eligible, but you get my point when I use the word eligible. Like They had a chance to make the college football playoff going into Sunday, or at least going to Saturday, we'll say. Going to the weekend. That's, I think, in part because the transfer portals, the great equalizer, where now some of these teams are able to be competitive faster because they got the, the finishing piece. You look at Florida State. I know they didn't make it undefeated, though, and they got some big-time receivers from the transfer portal, including their quarterback, Jordan Travis. Washington, we just mentioned with Penix Jr., they're in the playoff because they got him out of Indiana. Oregon with Bo Nix, again, got him out of the portal. Go to Oregon now, two years in a row. Oregon's one of the best teams in the Pac-12, one of the best teams in the country. Texas, again, you get Quinn Ewers after the first year at Ohio State. Utilize the portal in a few other areas as well, add a few receivers. All of a sudden now, you're a playoff team. The teams that utilize the portal are some of the best teams in the league, best teams in the country. It's a great equalizer where now if you are missing on recruits or at least struggling to get recruits to town, you could still have a chance to compete and win a championship by other means necessary. It allows more teams to be competitive quicker, which I think is a great thing for the sport. That is what college football has been missing for a while, and that is what the transfer portal has added. Honestly, also, too, from the player's perspective, it gives kids a chance to get it right because that's what they are, and they are kids. But when you're committing to Alabama or Georgia or Michigan or whatever school, you're 17 years old, 18 years old. We've all been there. Can we say every decision we made at 17 years old was the right decision? No. Sometimes you don't know until you're there and you said, oh, this is, you know, not really what I thought it was going to be, whether it's playing time related, whether it's coaching related. How many times have we seen coaches leave and their recruits are stuck there like a week before signing day saying, well, the coach left. That recruited me, but I got nowhere else to go because it's so late in the process. What do I do? It allows a fresh start. A fresh start if the school lied to them, if the kids messed up, if they just wanted something else, didn't know what they want. Like, plenty of times we have seen kids make the flat out make the wrong decisions. And so now you get a one-time transfer allows you to make that, you know, that wrong decision right. Better than their careers. Now look at the Heisman Trophy. The three quarterbacks that are finalists that are going to going to New York this week are transfers. They got it right, found a new home, and were ele- uh, able to elevate their careers both in college and now also up their pro stock as well. And honestly, this is selfishly, but also I think 
the transfer portal makes college football more relevant now outside the season. Like, I love college football. Any excuse I get to talk about it, I love to do it. And so now it's like you get almost a mini free agency period where you look at some of the names in the portal, Dylan Gabriel from Oklahoma, DJ Uwe Ungalale, Kyle McCord, Cam Ward, Riley Leonard, Will Rogers, big name quarterbacks that we all seen have success at their prior schools that are now out there. It now just makes college football relevant for longer, where now it's not just, hey, we're only talking about the college football playoff and maybe some bowl games, but we're really focused on the playoff. Now it's, oh, well, you got some big-time quarterbacks in here. you got some big-time impact players at other positions in the portal that, depending on where they go, could already start to shape and shift the landscape for next season based on their decision to transfer at this point in the season or this point in the year, I should say. So it makes college football more relevant for longer, which I'm here for. Sign me up for. So there's been a, there's always, right, the doomsday naysayers, the fear mongers out there that tell you, oh, NIL, terrible for college football. Transfer portal, what a joke. This thing, this is going to ruin college football. Yeah, I think it makes it better. More teams are more competitive. Kids are rightfully compensated. Not sure if you saw, by the way, this was the highest and most watched viewed college football season ever across all networks. There has never been more college football watched than was watched this season. That's with the transfer portal, with the uh, with NIL. I'm going to say college football is in a great spot with these other factors being in there. All right, it's Ryan Hickey right here on CBS Sports Radio. When we return, is a new philosophy when it comes to quarterbacks and how you build your team coming up in the NFL? We'll discuss next. <laughs> 